Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Zivi Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. You can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in Santa Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Anne Beattie is the author of Onlookers Stories, and has been included in five O. Henry Award collections in the Best American Short Stories and the Best American Short Stories of the Century. She is the recipient of the Penn Malamud Award for Achievement in the Short Story. In 2005, she received the Ray Award for the Short Story. The former Edgar Allan Poe Professor of Literature and Creative Writing at the University of Virginia, she is a member of the American Academy of Arts and Letters and of the American Academy of Arts and Sciences. She and her husband live in Maine, Virginia, and Florida. Welcome, Anne. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss onlookers and, you know, life in general. (laughs) I'm very happy to be here. Well, why don't you start out by talking about your new collection and what made you, where these stories came from as a group, why a new collection now, and and all of the backstory. 
I didn't know at first that they would be related stories. And I must admit that I tinkered with a couple of them to, you know, put them in and make them fit in a way that would make the, you know, the theme of the book more, uh, well, we would reinforce the theme of the book more. I started out writing just a couple of stories that were based in Charlottesville, Virginia, which is a town that I know pretty well. Back in 1975, it was my first job at UVA out of graduate school, and I've had a long history with the place. And, um, you know, of course, everybody in the nation knew Charlottesville was put on the map yet again by the Unite the Right rally that happened in 2017 with the, the neo-Nazis and the counter-protesters and the terrible death of Heather Heyer and so forth in Charlottesville. So I, as I began to write some stories based in Charlottesville, which is, again, just a place I feel very comfortable with, I know the terrain, I kind of know, you know, landmarks, things about the place. I mean, it's very easy as a writer to at least write a rough draft when you can just sort of in your mind, you know, bring those things forward visually and have settings for your stories. I realized that, you know, I couldn't run away from the current controversy about the monuments coming down. So I decided that that would be a unifying link of all these stories. So they're not linked so much in terms of one character following through in every single story or anything like that, but the fact that in the background of all the lives of the people in the whatever it is, eight or nine stories in the book, are these um, contentious monuments. No longer contentious, removed as well they should have been, but they're gone. (laughs) (laughs) I really enjoyed the story about Alice Ott and her inheriting uh, a home that from her boyfriend, quote unquote, maybe, who knows, and yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and how her family was at first you know, not surprised that that was happening and then delighted to see it and <laughs> and uh, and all of that. So I really enjoyed that story in particular. But yeah, I'm glad. Well, I named her Alice Ott because there's, um, there are references th- to Alice in Wonderland throughout. So, you know, if you've read the story as you have, you know, you know that there are all these lawn ornaments. And yes, really yes. the the girl uh, in the story who is a girl who's a very young teenager, when the story begins, is looking back and remembering and, and thinking of how at first she misunderstood or misremembered what these things were in the yard. And really it was kind of like, a um, an alternate Alice in Wonderland kingdom <laughs> that her lover had created for her. And suddenly she just flashed on that as a much older person. But, you know, I wanted that to be there in the story and I named her Alice on purpose. And she's a kind of, she certainly is a kind of latter day Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> oh, I love that. I also started reading More to Say, your collection of, of nonfiction. Oh, nice. Thank you. Yeah. Which is really great. And I love how you you talk about all the things that writers will do just to get out of the act of writing. Yeah. <laughs> like taking up photography or, or any of those other things. Weeding, anything, whatever yeah. it takes. <laughs> any, anything, whatever it takes to get out of the deadlines or whatever. But also that you get to take different perspectives and pick different moments in nonfiction, which happen, mm-hmm. and yet you can have these different ways into a story even though it all just happened. So I don't know, maybe you could talk a little about that because I found that so interesting and the way you were approaching your nonfiction and essays and how you even said, wait, maybe I could find it. How, um, yeah, you're in the witness protection program and you said, I've had fun sneaking around moonlighting as a nonfiction writer. My friends hardly ever commented. I assume because they never even saw my nonfiction. (laughs) 
Anyway, you're funny. And really, I mean, joke <laughs> on me. They didn't see it. I always, you know, you think, oh, well, it might take years, but so-and-so will eventually read this piece by me in a fairly obscure place. Let's say like a, particularly like a journal about photography or something. That's not something everybody is going to be likely to read on a weekly basis or anything. But I realized that there was just stunning silence through the years. <laughs> and in fact, I didn't quite realize myself until this book was published by Godine and Joshua Bodwell is the publisher. And the book was really his idea. This was not an idea of mine. So he knew more about it probably than I did. But I, he told me that the first piece in the book went back, I think, 30 years or 31 years. And that the most recent was a piece that I had published, um, I believe, in Narrative Magazine just the year before the book came out. You know, So it really is a span of years in which I've been doing this. I've given people every opportunity. <laughs> and I've hidden so well that nobody ever, ever brings this up in conversation that I write nonfiction. Well, the, the secret is out now. <laughs> yeah, let's hope, loud and clear. Uh, and in addition to nonfiction, of course, you do both short stories and novels. And how did you originally get into writing anything at all? Like if you take me back to that, and then as you decide which form to follow, which is like the easiest for you or how you decide even which to continue on, or maybe there's just more to say for novels or how does that all work for you? Mm -hmm. And how did you get here? That's a very different, I mean, it's a, it's a hard question in a lot of ways because there are a lot of aspects to that question, really, as you realize. But I don't think I've ever, for example, started to write a short story and thought, oh, this is a novel. Okay. Or vice versa. Maybe I should. Maybe if I'm <laughs> a novel, I should spare myself the misery and just continue <laughs> 12 or 13 or 14 pages or something like that. But usually, you know, I'm, I'm a short story writer. I mean, that's what I'm more easily suited to. The other things are a different kind of work. And I almost feel like you use a different part of your brain somehow when you're when you're writing a novel, not just because it's longer in particular, but because you really have to you know, if your talent is to try to be subtle and to embody things in the in the story that are not going to be didactic or too obvious for the reader, if they think, oh, that's kind of cool. I didn't realize Alice was named Alice Ott. And then there's something else there about Alice in Wonderland. And should I think about that fairy tale as I'm reading the story? You know, I mean, that's the kind of writer I am. And I'm putting things there and I'm hoping some of them will spark and will go off together. That's awfully hard over several hundred pages because you either hit it too hard or people lose it. They lose track of it over 300 pages. They're not going to lose track of it over a story that, you know, in manuscript is maybe 25 pages. True. So that's hard. But to go back to your your original question about how I ever got into this to begin with, <laughs> I have very few talents. <laughs> in fact, I would I mean, I would claim this to be almost like good luck that befell me rather than even talent when I started out, because I look back and I sort of wince and I think, well, it's wonderful that I didn't know a lot because I wasn't scared off of this as a possibility of what I could devote my life to. You know, I didn't know other writers in those days. There were very few MFA programs. I mean, yes, there was the University of Iowa. There were other, a few other programs. Now, as we know, it's almost like, you know, 
um, a lineup of things that most people do in terms of becoming a writer, which is to get an MFA. But I didn't do that. I didn't know other writers. I did have the good fortune when I was in graduate school to live in a house with a bunch of other people. And, you know, everybody had their thing. I mean, somebody was a really good guitar player. Somebody was a brilliant scholar. There was Anne. What was Anne doing? Anne was writing these weird little stories, you know? <laughs> what did you write today, Anne? Or then, you know, if they had a handle on who the character was, what did you know, let's say Sam do today, what happened today? So these were just fun. They were amusements. And I got so much reinforcement from my friends and it kind of took over. I was at that time in graduate school in literature, which is what I have my graduate degree in, not creative writing. And I never took a creative writing class. Wow. It's hard to believe now. (laughs) Just to show you, I guess you just don't need them. (laughs) Oh, they're helpful in their way. No, I'm kidding. No, I I actually love writing classes. I haven't taken one in in a little while, but growing up and even after college and, you know, writing classes are something that it just never gets old. You know, you can always learn, you can always improve. And no matter what age you are, you might as well go and you'll get an out, there will be an output from the class. Whether it's whatever the goal of it is, like if you really want to write something, you could just take a class and have the deadlines and like you have to do it. So, right. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So for the stories here, when you're writing and crafting a short story, even though it's not that many pages, like I've heard, I used to work with Lee Newman, who writes short stories as well. And she said, oh no, writing a short story is so much harder than a novel because you have to fit everything in, right? Everything is compressed and every sentence matters so much more. So when you're writing a story, how long does that take? Like, do you stew on an idea for a long time? Do the characters come to you first? Tell me about that process. I don't, I mean, I I certainly take her point. I I mean, I certainly understand what, what she's saying. I don't think I look at it that way, though. Personally speaking, you know, it's fun for me. Mm-hmm. And it's not fun ever to 
start out with something and be very enthusiastic and find out that it's just not having any sort of motor of its own, that it, you know, that you're forcing it in some way. You have to do that at the beginning of a story. You have to just sort of state some things. You have to orient yourself so that you can orient the reader. But sometimes those things just aren't as lively as you hope when you actually look at them, you know, type there on your computer screen or however you write. And I throw those things away. I mean, I press delete. I would Mm -hmm. say I throw out... I mean, certainly 50%, probably embarrassingly, more than that of rough drafts. And I don't recycle anything (laughs) because it's not about the prose. It's about the whole work. And again, we're not talking about a novel. We're talking about a short story. I mean, anywhere from 10 to 30 pages, something like that conventionally, you know, in manuscript. And if I have to press delete, I press delete and I start over and I think, well, please to my material, you know, give me some feedback, do something on your own. That's sort of like out of my control. That'll be the thrilling thing for me because then I feel like I'm already communicating with something personally, and I'm not just controlling something. I'm not Mm. just willing something into being. I mean, that's, of course, not what your friend was saying at all. (laughs) But just in terms of my own writing method, I mean, I think it's that idea that things are shaping up on their own and Mm -hmm. I better catch up with them that really motivates me and makes me able to write short stories more easily than novels. Wow. It's this whole uh, subconscious being transcribed onto Mm. the page in a way. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. What do you like to read when you're not writing? And do you prefer reading other short stories or do you just read everything? Any lifelong favorites? Well, certainly there are a lot of short story writers I hugely admire. I mean, if anything is published by Deborah Eisenberg, I'm right on it. If anything is published by Joy Williams, I'm right on it. Craig Nova, who writes very few short stories, actually, known for other things, his novels in particular, I think, you know, just in in a story called The Prince, I think he wrote one of the half dozen best short stories I've ever read. I mean, so there are certainly names that I look for, and I do subscribe to a lot of literary quarterlies and journals and read narrative magazine online and all that kind of stuff. You know, so if, if anybody puts anything in my hands, I 90% of the time I really do read it or try. <laughs> to. I just finished reading a really good book. I don't know if you've ever spoken to her, but it's called White Cat, Black Dog. No, uh-huh. I have a black dog too. So there you go. Oh yeah. That's a really, really good short story collection, which itself is based on fairy tales. Some of them more usual to me, like Snow White, Rose Red, others to me rather obscure fairy tales. But I, I didn't look at the look at the models again. I just read the kind of revision into current time mm. with certain sort of surreal aspects of them that I thought were really wonderful. That's by Kelly Link. Okay. Um, a white cat, black dog that I thought was terrific. I don't often as a collection, this is an exception to her. I don't often find things that I think, oh, this is great. I find one or two stories, but what's wrong with that? You know, Nothing's I mean, wrong. I read poetry, the same thing. It's what moves you in the book. It's yes. not, it's not a value judgment. It's just really what you find moving. Yes. Of course, that's the the trick of finding the right audience for any sort of book. Is sure. that there's that intangible <laughs> element, yeah, yeah. and how do you communicate that to the right people who need it? But yes, now I'm about to interview Kate Doyle about it's called "I Meant It Once," collection of stories by Kate Doyle. It's coming out in July. That's getting lots of attention. So anyway, it looks looks really good. So that's, is that that's a my, first book? That's my next collection. Um, <laughs> I'll show it to you. Is it her first collection? I should know this. 
Obviously, I have not prepared this one yet <laughs> at all. Uh, let's see. Because I know so. I only asked because I know someone named Kate Doyle, but I her short stories have been published in No Tokens, Electric Lit, Public Space, Split Lip, Wigleaf, and other publications. But it looks like she hasn't had any other books yet. She's a former oh. bookseller, originally from New England, public writing space fellow. She's lived oh. in New York, Amsterdam, and Ithaca. No, oh. anyway. Uh, I'm not sure if it's the same Kate Doyle, but how interesting. What beautiful books you're showing me, by the way. They really look terrific. Oh, these ones or this yeah, one? Yeah, the one you're holding up, Kate Doyle's book, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I could just spend cool. the whole time showing you the covers of all these upcoming books. <laughs> Please do, I love visual things. Yeah, and then this is my last one. It's called Striptease. It's very different, but it's about millennial Los Angeles. Oh, that's cool. I like that, yeah. So I thought that was a really fun cover too. And then, wow. of course, there's this one called Onlookers. You know? Oh, yeah. You know, we went back and forth so much. I loved the concept of the cover. Absolutely loved it because, of course, when these huge statue, heavy, heavy statues were removed, do you remember at the time how many photographs there were in the New York Times? I mean, just everywhere. Yes. The removal of them. I mean, it was, oh, it was like, oh, it was like a postmortem or something like that yeah. in a lot of ways. I mean, you felt like it was something between, you know, a lynching and... I mean, it had so many connotations, what you were looking at with the chains lifting these yes. things up into the sky and being loaded off on flatbed trucks and so forth. But the idea that what you're seeing there is something disappearing and all that sky, you know, it's like there is new possibility. That's true. And there is, it is a new world. And you're sort of like watching the old world leave right on the cover. But we went back and forth because, uh, you know, not to say that I'm, I have the ultimate say, but I felt like... <laughs> You know, if they cropped it just a little more, if we had even less of the neck, maybe uh -huh. we didn't want to see the face at all. If it really was just the horse, like that was all that was left because the horse was never the problem. It was the man atop it. Right. 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 <laughs> yeah. So I loved, loved the cover. Of this I book. love the cover, too. It's yeah. so great. It's really so great. I, I like where it's, I mean, I, I really like the cropping, but whatever. I mean, no, I do too. I mean, I think they came up with the perfect thing to make yeah. it, you know, a, a, a headless rider, rider on the horse. I mean, yeah. A lot. Hopefully not a headless rider. That would not be the best book. But. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you like to do when you're not writing and working and all that? What are some of your I'm favorite? writing and working. You know? <laughs> I work too much. And, and as you know, from my essays, I go out and do things to avoid things. Uh, yes, exactly. You know, to avoid what I should be doing. <laughs> you know, if somebody comes to dinner tonight and they hand me a book and they say, oh, you've got to read this and it's a friend and I trust their taste. I have a book of 20 books, you know, a pile of 20 books that I really want to read. That's going to go to the top of the pile, at least to look yeah. at it initially. It just really is. So it's amazing the number of books that sneak in that way. <laughs> And what I like to do when I'm not doing that, my husband and I just got back from a couple of weeks in England. It was Ooh. the first real trip we'd taken for a vacation uh, since COVID began. So really, that was an absolute thrill, you know, going to museums and seeing, having lovely dinner with one of my ex-students, graduate students in London, and seeing another old friend there who used to work in publishing in New York. I mean, it was just thrilling to be out in the world again, I have to say. So generally, we like to travel a lot. And we've been curtailed like everybody else because of present circumstances, you know. Yeah. I will say, though, that last week when it rained a lot in Maine, I went out on two days and I really felt I kept my head down, not just because I was pulling out dandelions <laughs> with a trowel, but because I didn't want my husband to be on to me that I was doing this instead of any of the work I should be doing. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Well, if there's one thing we've established here, procrastination methods, you know, <laughs> yeah. no, no bounds here. So, <laughs> and yet look at all the productivity. So it's like, it doesn't even matter. It all gets done. Well, it's surprising to me. It is a lot of productivity and certainly it's a, a unique circumstance in my life. And it's because really, you know, Josh Bodwell, as I was saying, had the idea for this essay collection, but that came out on last Valentine's Day and I wasn't anywhere where I could do any publicity for it then. So I'm kind of doing publicity for that now, but it's right on the eve of, I'm not complaining, but it's right on the eve of onlookers coming out, you know, so I'll have a lot of events that I'll be doing for that too. Wow. And uh, it's just a lot a lot at once and I'm also just working on a very long essay I've been writing for a while too so it's kind of frustrating because I'd like to get back to that but basically if it rains today the dandelions await I'm 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 out to the backyard again <laughs> <laughs> I love that well Anne thank you so much this has been so nice and it's a pleasure getting to know you you're such a literary legend so um, thanks for taking the time to chat with me today thanks very much for having me on the show it's my pleasure all right Have fun with the dandelions. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 